Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation, Gorgeous George, and Goes reporting for duty here on a Sunday night for your Monday morning delivery. Excited to talk to you for the next hour or so as we discuss the latest in mixed martial arts, including the results from UFC 293, a historical card because history took place. A new middleweight champion was crowned as Sean Strickland defeated Israel Adesanya in the main event to become the undisputed uh, middleweight champion for the UFC. Congrats to him. We'll unpack the card, talk about what's next for both of those two top cats right there, Strickland and Adesanya, the champ and the former champ now. And we'll obviously go over the uh, latest news surrounding not just this event, but everything uh, around us, some fight bookings and uh, drama, I guess, some of the high school drama that encompasses our sport as well. And then we'll also turn the page because, yet again, another UFC this weekend. Oh, and we're going to close the show with... A pre-recorded interview that we did, but it's relevant because this guy's trained with Strickland. He had some very interesting things to say prior to uh, Strickland's epic win over Adesanya. And I think he actually nailed it uh, on a few occasions as he described what could possibly take take place. Kind of nailed it, but some stuff didn't. But look, we'll talk more about it uh, when we get to him. It'll be Johnny Evelyn, the Bellator middleweight champ. So there you go. All right, folks, we'll be right back. Because do you have the words 24 hours later for what occurred <laughs> last night, man? I I mean, if you look at X, formerly known as Twitter, hashtag Sean Strickland is still up, dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, the card, going into the card, I, I wasn't that excited. Like I, I didn't think it was a really good card. And boy, did it deliver. And boy, does that happen quite a bit. Now, here's the thing. There are times where it doesn't happen. You know, just because these types of things happen, I don't think uh, the UFC should really hit you with a I told you so, that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, it's just that from time to time it does happen. And, And Saturday night, it was pretty legit. You know, the card from top to bottom, I felt like it was interesting, man. There were a lot of knockouts. There were... A couple that went to decision, but just because they go to decision doesn't mean they're not they're not a good fight. And that's what kind of made the whole thing fun. But for it to end the way it ended, you have to remember at the beginning of that fight, of the main event, it was kind of slow up until Sean Strickland almost puts Israel Adesanya out. And that was almost like that Pulp Fiction moment where they put that syringe in, in uh, Uma Thurman's heart. You know, and everything just woke up again. And from there, you thought, could this really happen? You know, and uh, it it was fun. It it was totally worth it. Yeah. And, you know, I've watched that highlight over. And each time it looks like he pummels them even worse. For one, the right hand is on the money. Uh, Adesanya does a whole 360 turn, it looks like, 
it almost looked like pro wrestling, like when you slap someone and they kind of go with it and turn around and then stumble and fall to their face, except obviously Adesanya uh, survived that, got up, but Strickland was just wailing on him. And none of us, no one even said it, no one even thought it. Uh-oh, you better watch himself. He might gas out because Strickland doesn't gas out. Mm-hmm. And there's so many things we said, and I know a lot of you tuned into yesterday's watch along, so thank you very much for that. Things like Strickland's face isn't even marked up. He's not even breathing hard. He's not. He wasn't even sweating, I think, through three rounds. Like, the dude is really gifted in that department of just, I can go all day. And, but here's one thing that I thought of that I think hasn't been touched on between you and I, neither yesterday nor, you know, in our discussions when we see each other, you know, throughout the day, I guess. But we had said it could be, sorry, I'll say it one by one. Strickland won round one. Adesanya was winning it until Strickland put him down, and then obviously Strickland got the round. Two, we all agreed that Adesanya won because he just had more volume, and Strickland kind of didn't do anything. In fact, Coach the Eric Nixick, huh? The fight in round one, uh, Strickland won round one. Yeah, Adesanya won round two. Mm-hmm. Between two and three, Nixick told him that he lost the round and it, he, he didn't do much. In fact, when he comes to the corner in between round three and four, he even told them, you may have just given the, this one up too. We didn't come all the way down here to lose a boring decision, I think he said, something like that. So yeah. Eric was putting it in his head, you may have lost the round. And I remember we discussed that Adesanya had more volume, just like in round two, except this time Strickland did answer with four pretty significant strikes. And we were wondering, was that enough to offset it? Now that we know the judges' scorecards, we know that he won it. But but we didn't know we didn't know it at that time. Then Strickland comes and wins round four, and we said it could either be three one Strickland, which it was. We didn't know it at the time, or it could be two two. What I what I thought about today was if in fact it was two two, Izzy did a poor job of defending what was his, knowing that round five could be you know. Of course, it would make sense to knock out Strickland and not have to sweat it out. But if it is two two. That was kind of a poor round five performance. Usually you don't get that from champions because they have experience. They know how to gauge their gas tank. They've been there before. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, it, but it wasn't, it wasn't too, too. You know, I was just thinking like that was a kind of a, well, I take it back. I guess in round five, he did start with some really, really nice kicks, but I think kicks take a lot of energy and he was just exhausted. Strickland said something is interesting. Am I fighting an amateur? I wonder if, I mean, we're not going to question Izzy's power, but have we maybe overinflated it a little bit? You know, just because you have a couple KOs on your resume, I mean, are you really like Francis Ngannou? You know what I mean? Like, he, Strickland didn't seem too concerned. He walked through a lot of that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he never respected Izzy's power too much he was never wobbled his knees were always under him he wasn't like off balance or anything he never went backward like i don't know man like that i don't know what to say i I, eugene Behrman said it just it was an off night but could it have been an off night or could it be that you know um we either undervalued how good strickland is 
or maybe Izzy has just been skating by in a way that we haven't noticed by winning fights. I mean, let's not forget, I had to watch Pajeda versus Strickland too. Pajeda's put on his way to putting him out. And Strickland, or sorry, Izzy came with this overhand that took Pajeda out and then a couple follow-up thumpings, you know, some hammer fists. He hit Strickland with that same shot, but Strickland ate it. Pajeda didn't. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot to unpack. I think it's fair. To me, Israel Adesanya checked out a little bit, okay? But the question is why? I think part of it was he did just look, he looked a little bit more tired than he normally does in these fights. That I think you can't argue. The barrage that he took in round one, I don't know that maybe he maybe he didn't recover fully from that. And I don't mean that just physically. I mean that mentally as well. Because think about how embarrassed he was when Pereira put him out, when he put his lights out again, right, in the UFC. I think that's something that really stuck with him. And I think when he saw the possibility of that happening again after what happened in round one, I think he was a little shook, man. I think it was a combination of being shook mentally and physically. And then as far as us, maybe not uh, maybe overlooking Sean Strickland. I don't know. It's so much that maybe there is a little bit of that, but I think there's also two things. He got better and he got better because now he listens to his coaches a little bit. All right. There's still a little bit of the old Sean Strickland in him. I'm going to do it my way. But I think they found a way to kind of meet in the middle. And I think a lot of the reason why Izzy fell flat was because of Sean's strategy. You know, Sean just wasn't giving him unnecessary tools to work with. And I think it was bothering Israel Adesanya. He was waiting for him to make that mistake so he could capitalize it. But Sean just wasn't making it. And when he had his openings, he was taking advantage of it. And I think it confused Israel Adesanya, and I don't think Israel Adesanya had a plan B. Mm-hmm. And so I think he just went through the motions. So I know that's kind of a lot, but I feel like all of that played into what we saw that night. I think you're right. Round one took a lot out of him. And then he did tire as he's tired in other fights as well. But the weird thing is he tired because... I think he had a lot of activity, and I don't want to call it useless activity. Uh, I think he just expends a lot of energy with some of his activity. And, like, all them kicks, I didn't really see Strickland limping. I didn't see him concerned about anything coming to the calf or to the leg, to the body. He kind of blocked it to the head. He was getting there in time. (laughs) I just went back and I looked at Israel Adesanya's record. So follow me here. He's got 27 wins. No. He's got 27 fights. 24 have been wins. Three have been losses. All right? Of those 24 fights, sorry, wins that he's had, 11 were outside the UFC. All of them by knockout. He's had 16 knockouts in his career. So what that means is that five of his knockouts have been in the UFC over the past 16 fights. In the UFC, he's not a closer. You see what I'm saying? So in the UFC, he's had 16 wins, no, he's had 13 wins, but eight have been by decision and, and five have been KOs. 
So not he's not bad, a high man. volume of of a knockout artist per se. He's accurate. You know what I mean? He's very accurate and he can knock you out. Now, we're not saying he can't, but he doesn't have as high of a um percentage mm -hmm. of knockout power. Now, I don't even know if Sean thinks about that. I think Sean just hops on a plane, loses weight, and fights. But I just, because the way Sean was stalking him, it's almost like he didn't respect him. And then Izzy didn't give him a reason to because nothing really landed flush. I mean, some stuff landed, but it wasn't on the button, and Strickland just kept walking him down, walking him down, walking him down. And I think Izzy used a lot of energy going sideways, sideways, sideways. And then, of course, getting pummeled didn't help, you know, Um now I start thinking about he had the, a movie premiere, and I could have sworn I heard in one of the embeddeds them say we had three of these. So is that three times going to a theater, signing autograph, or was there another one in New York and you know three months ago or whatever? I don't know. But even one seems like a lot, aside from your, you know, your duties as a, um, mm -hmm. you know, doing the media and whatever else you had. Um, maybe you know the coach said we had a great camp, no injuries, fight week. Fight week was perfect. He didn't offer any excuses there. He just was flat. So well, maybe something that had to do with that, like you said, him him getting socked up in the first round took a lot out of him. I think his one of his best attributes is uh, his speed. And his accuracy. And if you watch his previous fights, the way he sets a lot of that up is he throws these strikes. Like I think you might have mentioned it in the watch long where he's throwing strikes, but they're being blocked. And they don't really feel like KO punches. What they are is their bait. He's throwing it out there and it's his bait. And because he's so quick, by the time he's pulling back his his kick, he can already see the guy reacting to it. And he counters. And when he counters, he's so accurate and so quick that that's how he takes advantage of you. What did Sean Strickland do? He just ate him. You know, some of them kicks to the arms and all that. He just ate him. And he waited and he waited until he had his moment. And I think that just really messed Israel Adesanya up. He wasn't taking his bait. And we're, we've all known Sean Strickland to be this fighter that just doesn't change. He does the same thing every fight. He goes forward. He throws punches in volume. He didn't do that in this fight. You know, him and, and Eric Nixick and the rest of his coaches, they must have come to some sort of agreement. I thought their strategy was really, really interesting. Um, I didn't I think did, it was good, but I thought yeah, it was interesting too. I, I thought it was interesting because what they did was, you know, Demetrius Johnson actually did a really good job of breaking that down. Um, if you guys follow him on Instagram, he'll even break it down a little bit more in depth of what it is he did. But you could but just kind of before you tell it. me what Demetrius said. Can I just say one thing? Go ahead. I don't think I heard from one person, not a peep, that said if they kickbox for 25 minutes, Sean Strickland wins in a runaway. Right. No one. Anyone that told me Strickland was gonna win mentioned wrestling, the overall grappling game, you know, attacking, I guess, with some jujitsu if you do get them down, or work against the fence. Nobody mentioned just straight kickboxing, Sean Strickland. Much less Sean Strickland in a runaway, mm -hmm. including, I guess I'll give it away. Wait till you hear Johnny Evelyn. He does give him credit for this, that he's he's a dog and he's in this fight. Don't underestimate him. But he'll give you reasons that didn't get touched on. Um, 
but go ahead. What were you going to say? Because I'm anxious to see what Demetrius said. No, no, no. Just um, he was saying very similar things. You know, he was talking about that particular strategy and how he could kind of see it coming. Um, so, yeah, if you have a chance, go in there and check out his uh, his Instagram. It's it's They're really interesting. He does these little fight night things. And what was the strategy that he mentioned? To just walk him down and have the other guy expend all his just energy? Don't let him counterpunch you. Don't let him counter all night. You know, he wasn't expect. He thought Sean Strickland was going to uh, allow him to counter, counter, counter all his shots. And he just wouldn't take the bait. And he forced Israel Adesanya to do Man. something else. And he wouldn't okay. do it. I could see that because Sean definitely has a lot more volume. But here's the, the part that trips me out is Eric told him, pick it up. He didn't congratulate him for not throwing enough and getting mm-hmm. countered. He actually told him to pick it up because yeah. we don't want to lose a decision out here, you know. But that's what um, he did in rounds four and five, right? Yeah, he started to pick it up. But he I think did. by then he had broken, he had broken him a bit. I think what helped a lot was was that first round barrage, man. That gave him a lot of confidence. And then at some point, he must have tasted some of Izzy's kicks to the belly, kicks to the head. At, you know, how hard how hard are they? I'm blocking them, but how hard are they? You know, that overhand right. And he just started to walk through it. Mm-hmm. I guess why I'm saying this, too, is maybe sometimes I have this love-hate with Dana White and some of the things he says. Because it is nice to sit there and say, we broke this gate record. We made this much money. Um, He is definitely a part of it. All right. He is the UFC. And he has to get the credit for doing it. But I just think this game would have blown up one way or another. Maybe not at this speed. Who knows if it would have been even better or what with even somebody else at the helm. I, I just think it's so easy to say that. But in reality, all these fighters go out there and put on a show and they entertain us, you know, and they and they do so much. But he kept saying, that's why I say don't judge the fight. No, man, we can judge the fight. We can judge the card when you give it to us. We can look at the card and go, now that's a nice card. It's deep. It's stacked. It's this. It's that. And we can also look at it and go, mm, that's it. You, you know, you're not going to throw anybody else on there. We can do that. Mm-hmm. We can do that. He has the luxury of knowing that pretty much even a shitty card works out because a night of fights doesn't suck. You know what I mean? And he's put together these, these, uh, I guess we'll call them entertainers. He's put together these celebrities and entertainers like a Bruce Buffer. A Rogan, who was not there, I guess, but Anik, and Ariani, a Cormier himself, of course, Dana White, and the the other fighters that show up to support, and it's a fun night out for anyone that likes this niche sport that I think soon will keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger, but it still appears to be a little bit of a of a niche sport at times, and it's just not going to strike out because there's enough of us hardcore MMA fans around the world that we will pay that money to go. And and have fun and and the UFC is that man they they just got it down production the DJ the walkouts the you know the stars the the drama around the, the octagon all of it man it's just it's pretty damn cool it really is um, and it was like I say two ninety three going in 
the card was about a five, I think, especially for a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Coming out, pff, fucking nine, man. I loved it. I really, really loved it. Yeah, I'd give it the same. It was uh, There wasn't much I didn't like about it. I'm still buzzing over it because I'm seeing all this stuff on social media. You know, some of the people starting to head home, but just all the different angles, the announcement of and new, you know, and mm-hmm. a lot of the things surrounding you know sean uh it's it's man it's really really cool i love it i love the job i love the sport i really do i just wish there was a few things we could still button up and i think we could get even further with it i guess and any and be even a little bit more legit but some stuff i think you just have to take head on you take head on whether it's criticism or feedback or whatever um, let the fans and the media talk to you, you know, you don't have to agree with all of it, but, uh, you know, like I say, he, he usually gets scoreboard because he knows the events are not going to, even a Tuesday night fights, dude, a Tuesday night at the apex is pretty, pretty goddamn money. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, overall the, 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 the product is great. It's, it's where you see it in the big scheme of things, right? Like, like today, did it move the earth the way NFL did today? No. Does he want it to be? Yeah, because he's often compared it to that's going to be bigger than soccer, you know, and to do that, mm-hmm. you got to be at least NHL level, at least NBA level, right? I don't know that we're ever going to get to that. I think you're better off just kind of like how you said, just it's a niche sport. It's something a little different. It's a little edgier. Especially you see, you know, the, the the homophobic slurs that are getting slung around. Like, you're not going to hear that in the NFL. You're not going to hear that in the NBA. You know, uh, you, you're just not going to get that from from the commissioners, you know, the, the trouble that they get into. It's just a different thing, man. Let's just call it something different. I agree. We'll get into that in just a sec. But just to finish out what I was saying, um, you know, the NFL – for the next decade, we'll get $125 billion in television. Mm-hmm. So it's not that the UFC doesn't have a nice deal themselves. They just don't have that. You know, we tune into Fox and CBS and ESPN to consume these fights. I guess we got to pay Amazon for their Amazon Prime for the Thursday night game and the Sunday ticket, I guess, if we want. But for the most part, we can just turn on the TV and it's everywhere. It's in sports bars. It's in airport bars it's at home it's wherever man you could probably go to a nail salon and it's on you know the nfl's on i wish we could get to that i guess one day it might be tough because that would require multiple cards and obviously Mm -hmm. they all can't be everywhere but uh the streaming kind of you know we took a little hit on the streaming yesterday and i think some of it had to do with espn plus I just think, why can't we be on ESPN today? I watched the game on ESPN. I, you know, or or sorry, Saturday I watched the game on ESPN. I think tomorrow ESPN has the Monday night game. But anyway. you don't know how happy I get when that when that happens. When you find out your team is playing on national TV versus you having to stream them, so much easier, man. It just is. Hmm. It was a big event. So congrats to Sydney. And I guess the New South Wales Commission or whatever, they've committed to a certain amount of money to the UFC. So the UFC is going to come back there three or four times in the next few years. So we won't have that four-year, six-year wait, whatever it was since the last time they were there. 
They knocked it out of the park. I was already feeling buzz. The buzz goes with Dos Santos and Cop. Man, I'm a fan of Dos Santos. Yeah. Felipe, wasn't it Felipe Dos Santos or something like that? That young kid? Holy, out of shoot box. Man, I, you know, everybody thought he was going to get steamrolled. I, I'm maybe even including me, but uh, he made Cop work for it. Yeah. I mean, imagine what he would have done on Dana White's contender series, right? Like I can't imagine unless the guy he was supposed to fight's even that much better. Who knows? But I have to imagine he would have steamrolled that guy and got a contract. But overall, like boy, did that kid really just capture the moment and make that fight interesting? You know, he made you forget the fact that that's not Kai Kara France in there. Yeah, right? that's 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 the situation. That's the hand we were dealt. This card probably would have been sexier on paper had Carl France's name still been there, that fight probably would have meant something a little bit more. He made us forget about that. And that's pretty unique, man. And I really hope that this isn't that type of fight. I hope this didn't break him a little bit. I hope he actually gains momentum from this, even though it was a loss. It was a great fight, and I can't wait to see that kid again. Yeah, me neither. That's the nice thing about a performance like that on a big stage. If it's memorable... You, you know, you become hard to forget because I could rattle off 12 fights that are happening at Noche UFC this next weekend, including the title fight between Alexa Grasso and Valentina Shashenko. And then once the focus is on them, you ask somebody about UFC 293. What's the name of the guy that broke his arm? Uh, was it Jenkins? Los Santos? Well, you know, you don't remember. You start yeah. really, really forgetting about certain facts, you know, from the event. But those, this guy stood out to me, man. I, I really, really liked him. Uh, congrats to Manel Cop, and he was one of the two parties that did utter a homophobic slur, which, it, you know, like I said yesterday, it's just going to get talked about. I saw it on Yahoo Sports, and I saw RG3 bring said, it up today. Dana said, I'm not going to punish them. I don't tell them what to say. Luckily, the, both fighters said something on their own, but he's taken that attitude of kind of like duck off a water's back. But now tying it into television goes, I often wonder if what holds back the UFC from a big, big deal with ESPN television or CBS or somebody that would maybe pay for that type of content or the big, big sponsors, you know, that you see like at English Premier League games or, or, uh, NFL games, you know, I wonder if maybe they tend to hold back because it's just, it is an edgy sport where the athletes just are constantly saying what they say, you know, and if he's okay with it, then he's okay with it. But to me, it's just going to be a tier below the big, you might as well call it the big five because it's not NFL, MLB, NHL, and NBA. You got to throw the sport of soccer in there. MLS is so big now, along with our access to all the other leagues, including the EPL, that it's just there. People are fans of that as well. Yeah, you maybe can't go out there and say uh, you punish them for it, but you got to at least say we encourage them not to not to do it, right? Like, mm-hmm. what's the point in you having a Pride Month and, and all that stuff if you're not going to really care? what these guys are are saying i think i mean like is it so hard to just say yeah i was really unfortunate and to top it all off we had two guys do it 
uh, believe me, when when this is over, we're gonna we're all gonna sit down and talk about this. Done. Leave it at that. Whatever happens in that room, I don't give a shit. If it's a punishment, whatever it is, you could do whatever you want. If you guys want, you could sit there and eat hot fudge sundays. But let the people think that you at least matters. You know that at least bothers you. I think that's important because you know what? Like a lot of us, we live our lives with rules. You and I can't do say the things they said. We can't do that. Our show will be over, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our girlfriends, they can't go to work and act like that. Like that's real life. You know, Dana White has kids. His kids go, one of them goes to a, a decent college. He can't do that. He can't stand up in the middle of class and just mouth off. That's not real life. You you have to at least say, look, we're going to talk to these guys. We're going to educate them. Something. It is an edgy sport. I understand. From time to time, people do, do do that. But guess what? It didn't happen last card. It didn't happen the card before. It didn't happen the card before that. Like, yeah, it's just a lot. And when you add it's in the fight Trump game, is the bullshit excuse because it could still right. be the fight game and just that not happen so that we don't have to talk about it. And Yahoo doesn't write about it. And RG3 and whoever else, we spend more time on the fighters themselves. So you alert the fighters and you tell them in some form, don't say that. Mm-hmm. Don't say that. You know, and if that person cares, if the fighter cares enough to go, well, why not? And you care enough to say, well, this is the reasons, you know, these are words that are hurtful to a community. And I don't believe you want to do that. So, and and I would prefer you not do it, especially on my platform. So let's not do it, you know, and let's pick another insult. Mm-hmm. How hard is that? You know, you don't have is, to. Is, is, is he going to like, I mean, because it goes. And I know the audience is going, you fucking beta male pussies. No, man. It's not that, guys. Listen, so basically by almost... Okay, what if somebody says the N-word? The other day, he was okay with it because Izzy said it because he's black. But what if Drikas had said it? Does the same thing apply? We don't tell people what to say. They can say what they want. You see what I'm saying? Or... You know, but here's the thing. Remember when um, Brock Lesnar said, I'm gonna drink, I'm gonna hump my wife and then drink a Coors Light. And then I think he said, Fuck Bud Light, they didn't pay me or something like that. Who mm-hmm. rushed to the back when money mattered and said, You can't be saying that. They're our sponsor and this and that, and unbonished them or whatever. So you do it for the money reasons, but not for the reasons of, you know, I guess what's what we're trying to do here. And that's become a, a little bit more of a proper civilization, more respect amongst all of us, more inclusion, I guess. Who knows, man? It's just, I don't know. It's just this double standard, and I wish someone would explain it to him. I wish he would understand it. It's very easy to clean up. Look, when mm. I was growing up, I, you know, like, kids said that to each other on the playground. Right. I, I no longer say it. But if I did, I sure as hell wouldn't say it on that platform or on this one. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm a buffoon. I learned not to say that in certain other words. So can everyone else, but you got to take it serious and it kind of starts at the top. But I'm telling you, what he said almost uh, almost leaves the opening for, let's just start using the N-word then. It's nuts, dude. Watch how quickly that gets shut down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yeah. every time you get closer to that line like that, they're going to cross over it. Well, I'm curious why like ESPN doesn't have a problem with it. 
You know what I'm saying? Like that cannot even come close to being said on an ESPN broadcast. I just wonder why they're just okay with all that madness. Maybe the ratings, maybe the money. I mean, I think the UFC definitely makes a lot of money with ESPN, and that's why ESPN, I mean, dude, they were like, I think they signed a five-year deal or a seven-year deal. Like the second year into it, they were like, yep, right away. They renegotiated. We're happy, and they locked them in again. That's how good they were doing. And I think that hasn't stopped. They've been with ESPN now for about, seems like five years. Yeah. Kicking butt, you know, both sides are definitely happy, but I I just don't want, I don't want these guys to lose their jobs. I don't want the network to stop aligning themselves with the UFC because I think the best thing for the UFC was obviously ESPN, but I just know how the entertainment business works. This could be bad for a lot of people and being so blase about it isn't, it's just not the path. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, all right. Here are the results. And then you can tell me what stood out to you, what you want to talk about. So Alexander Volkov submitted Taito Ivasa with an Ezekiel choke from the top. Uh, Manel Kopp defeated Felipe Dos Santos. We talked about that. Dos Santos was a kid that was going to fight at Dana White Contender Series about three or four weeks ago. His opponent missed weight. So he got promoted to this fight because Kai Kara France had pulled out. And he made the best, best of it, even though he lost. We're talking about him, right? Justin Taffa iced Austin Lane, KO in the first round. This is after getting poked and struck in the groin in the same motion. He just <laughs> waved it off like no big deal to both and literally was fighting within the next 10 seconds and then found his spot and just flatlined Austin Lane. Tyson Pedro did the same to Anton Turkley. Both fights ended in the first round. So nice start to the main card, those two. And then we have the fight of the night with uh, Kopp and Dos Santos. And uh, then we got the finish in Tuivasa and Volkov. And honestly, even though Adesanya fought below his standards, Strickland made the main event eventful uh, and historical because of the upset that he pulled off. So Carlos Ulberg defeated Jean Duan, Duan, excuse me, Shepley Mariscal defeated Jack Jenkins. That was the arm injury uh, where he basically tried to throw him and Jenkins' arm got caught and... It was a nasty arm injury, man. Uh, these are featherweights there. Jamie Malarkey defeated John McDessie. That was a fun fight to watch. That was a great fight. Yeah, I really like that. They went all the way to the end. Those guys should get a check. I'm not saying I disagree with Cop and Dos Santos. Uh, that was probably the right choice, but this one wasn't far behind. And, uh, you know, both guys are veterans. I think they, des- they deserve something. Nasrat Hakbras defeated Landon Quinones. Quinones, you recently saw him on... Tough 31. Charlie Radke defeated Mike, uh, sorry, Blood Diamond. Man, I want to go with Blood Diamond. Gabriel Miranda defeated Shane Young, and Kevin Jusset defeated Kiefer Crosby. Also of note, Charlie Radke also used a the same homophobic slur as uh, Manel Cop, and I think that's why it kind of was just something that stood out. You could just see the uncomfortable uh, feeling that DC had because these were post-fight interviews. The crowd booed as well. Uh, it was just a black mark on the night, you know. And that, both guys have issued apologies. Um, go ahead. No, I was going to say that. Like, uh, I guess cops maybe took a little bit longer, mm-hmm. but uh, right away an apology. That that's just what you got to do. You you have to do it, man. Hmm. Yeah, 
I agree. So uh, the fight of the night, again, went to Cop and Dos Santos. And again, not to harp on it or make a big deal, but I thought his bonus goes could be in jeopardy because of that. Uh, it wasn't. And I think that's probably right, especially with him apologizing and all of us just trying to move on from it. But I did think that for a moment. Uh, and then Strickland got one. He didn't knock out Israel Adesanya, but he did knock him down. But the performance was amazing. So they gave him 50K mm-hmm. and Justin top of 50K. So who were the fighters that didn't get a bonus? Tyson Pedro, uh, Carlos Ulberg, Shefe Mariscal, Gabriel Miranda, and Kevin Giuseppe. Why does that matter? Because there have been cards where they have given every finisher a bonus. Um, and Dana started by saying the gate was 10 million. In fact, let me see how many 10 million in Australian to U.S. dollars. Because that seemed high. And I thought I could I could have sworn uh, that it was it wasn't that big of a difference. So one Australian dollar is 62 cents. So what would the conversion be? 10 million Australian dollars. Oh, it's six, it's a six million dollar gate. That's a pretty damn big gate, isn't it? Six million, six and a half million. It's good. So the gate's good. Hopefully, the pay-per-views did well. But someone asked him, hey, Dana, have you ever thought of just doing um, a finishing bonus? He goes, have you ever just thought of it? And he shot that guy down quick. I think it was Jose Youngs from MA Fighting, who does a good job. I like Jose. Mm-hmm. Jose. And Dana goes, nah, I think we're good. And he kind of said it kind of smug. Now, I thought it was funny because I like being smug from time to time. I guess I wish I could be like that all the time. But he kind of shot it down like, nah, I'm good. I think he likes the fact that he can just decide and have the power to write someone a check or do something great or just do whatever and not kind of be held to any sort of a uniform standard or to a precedence when it comes to dealing with the N-word, the F-word, the this-word, the that-word, these actions, those actions. He can just kind of decide on his own. He's kind of like a king, you know? And he mm-hmm. may grant a pardon or he may part ways and who knows what. Like at the end of that day, goes, do you really think that Paul Daly hitting Josh Kostrick was the worst thing you've ever seen in the UFC? I mean, it was bad. Don't get me wrong. And cutting him at that time, probably could he have brought him back? Who knows? But I mean, dude, there's been some people that have done some really, really stupid shit and they've stayed with the UFC. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was about sending a message probably to the rest of the roster and all that. But right. had it been someone else, it might not have happened. Yeah. Sean O'Malley could have done it. Nothing would have happened. Connor could have done it. Nothing would have happened. In fact, someone did do it. Uh, Rhonda. She could have done it. No problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I think he just kind of gets off on that a little bit. But I've often said if I was a filthy millionaire close to being a billionaire, with the control of, of such a popular sport and rose petals at my feet, sleeping in suites, styling and profiling. I mean, he's kind of a real Ric Flair in a way in that in regards to the life he leads. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe I wouldn't want some sort of a constitution for people to point to and say, hey, 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 what about this? Ah, well, fuck right. it. That was 10 years ago. I changed my mind. I'm a different guy. Anyway. All right. Uh, so that was the event. Out of everything you saw, was there anything you wanted to 
touch on that we may not have touched in regards to it. And then we'll say what's next for Strickland and not a sign. But go ahead. Uh, you know, the, the crowd I thought was pretty decent. Yeah. And this is kind of happening repeatedly where I'm getting scared that we're going to start losing a lot of these cards here in the United States because these fans really bring it, dude. They really, really like even going back to Singapore like that. That was uh, amazing, dude. A lot, a lot of these places are, are really stepping it up. Mm-hmm. Singapore, Paris, Australia, mm-hmm. for sure. And then what's what's weird is we're dealt the hand of the apex. And I know Dana wouldn't go apples to apples, apex in Singapore, apex in Paris. I imagine, Bo- I think Boston, everybody said that was a pretty healthy crowd. So that was good. Who knows if it might come to at the cost of a Vegas card we usually get like four or five per year big ones here at the t-mobile who knows if one of those might have to get replaced seems like abu dhabi's always on the yeah you know um on the docket so we know we're gonna lose that one and england but they went to brazil recently and didn't sell out and i wonder Mm -hmm. if that could hurt brazil but think about how at one point brazil used to be one of the greatest crowds think about how different it was brazil canada Right, those Canada doesn't get cards the way it used to. Now, I, I think a lot of people are going to go, "Well, duh, GSP's not around," but it doesn't. Uh, not every card was a GSP card, right? They need to go back to Mexico. They need to go back to yeah. Ireland. They need to go back to where else could they really, really bring down the house? I mean, Japan's just respectful; they don't have to be loud. It's a different They're just type a of crowd, great, yeah. great crowd. I think they need to take it to Peru soon. Argentina's nice. had a card. Chile's had a card. Uruguay's had a card. And Brazil's had many cards. I don't remember one Whoa. in Colombia. And Here's I don't remember thing. one in Ecuador. And Ecuador might get it first because of Marlon yeah. Vera. But Peru's got a, a few fighters. Bolivia and Paraguay don't seem to be on the map yet for fighters. Um, so we'll see. But I think I, I think it would be a pretty cool experience, the, and you know I've told people a lot a lot about uh, concerts and soccer games that I've been to overseas, where it's just I mean it's a crazy crazy environment, and I think we're seeing some of that in mixed martial arts. I did mm-hmm. want to say I didn't see Ariane Celeste, I saw Brittany travel, and usually they're always together, but I didn't see Ariane, and I started to wonder could. At some point, could they just move on from her and say, hey, look, you know, both of you are getting close to 40. You still beautiful young ladies that stay in shape and can do it. But, uh, you know, I think at this point, like, we're, I I, I felt like they used to be bigger stars than they are now. Uh, There was more of a spotlight on them, but now it's just the machine, the UFC machine. Maybe I'm wrong. But what I did see goes on her Instagram was apparently she was there all dressed up. She did have a lanyard. So maybe she had another role. Maybe she's transitioning or who knows what. Who knows? I I think they'll always have a spot, though. Yeah, both of them, for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right. I think we're pretty good on UFC 293. Now, what's next for Strickland? Let me throw it all out there. Dana said. He thinks an immediate rematch makes makes sense. DC says, nah, you shouldn't do that. You did it the first time, but you need to let the the division breathe. 
So uh, he feels like he's against it. Now, he's not a decision maker, but that's just him throwing out his opinion. In the past, when someone's weighed in as the alternate, Dana has referred to them as next because, duh, they weighed in as the alternate. Well, he there's been a lot of fighters that have weighed in the alternate and haven't gotten the shot. That's why we ask. But, of mm-hmm. course, he's smug. That's just the way he is. So you got Cannon here. You got Drikas Duplessis, who was supposed to fight, but decided not to, although it looks like Dana's a little pissed about that from the way he talks about it. You got Dana saying Israel Adesanya, and then you got a pivotal matchup with Hamza Shemaev and Paulo Costa. The winner, maybe they could make some noise. I guess the last long shot, although I think I heard Fajeda shooting it down, would be Fajeda coming back to middleweight. But it seems like he's got some big opportunities at light heavyweight, so I see his point. What do you think? I think right now, if you look at uh, what Sean Strickland did, I think it's pretty amazing. I'm curious if he could keep it up, if he could actually reign at the top of the division. I don't know what the UFC's feeling is. I thought it was kind of odd that Dana said on the night of, yeah, we we need to run this back. We could do that. He didn't do that for Aljo. Um, Mm -hmm. To me, Israel Adesanya just seemed like a guy that needs some time away. Mm-hmm. Look at all the headline headlining gigs he's had in his career. Like maybe he just needs to step back for a second and just figure things out. But there wasn't anything in that performance to me that said we need to see that again right away. So what I would do mm-hmm. is I think you look at a, that situation and you say, okay, a fight that we all wanted to see was Drikas, right? He should have been in there that night. A lot of people felt Dana White, I guess, disagrees. He, I don't know if you want to use the word punish or whatever. If you want to do that, fine. Let us have that fight, though. Make Drickus fight, or not make, but pitch the fight to Drickus, him and Izzy. Let us have that fight. Let us watch that fight. And I think it almost serves as, like, in a way, your little punishment. Like, guess what? You still have to fight him. Now it's not <laughs> for a title, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you still kind of, if you're Dana White, you could still be a little smug there and get get that little shot in. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the Costa-Hamzat fight is interesting because Hamzat's new to the division, right? And Paulo Costa, I think, is only on a one-fight win streak. So if he were to win this, it would only be two. And that's what Jared Cannonier has. And Cannonier has a win over Strickland. So that's kind of interesting what you would do there. But the UFC loves to promote Hamzat so much that I I honestly, I think if he went in there and he steamrolled Paulo Costa, I think they'd figure out a way to make Strickland and Costa or and, uh, and Hamzat. And if they did, I get it. Fireworks, you know, not, not even, not just the fight, but uh, everything leading up to it would be pretty nutty. I just don't know what you do with Jared Cannon here. Yeah. I guess let's start with that. You're against, the immediate rematch, kind of like what DC saying, no. right? Okay, I agree with DC. However, right. if they did it, I'm not going to flip tables over or anything. But I absolutely agree with his opinion. I think, why not? Like, I mean, are you just going to keep giving guys, you know, bye? Ah, yes, you know, here's another chance. Here's another chance. Like, you, you can't just keep doing that too. If the fight were a little closer, then I think it's it's some, kind of a slam dunk. 
but it really wasn't. So I think this is a perfect chance to just kind of breathe new life into the division. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see it, and I'll tell you why. Because I do believe the division needs to breathe. You have contenders there. And I think Israel would benefit from it, although he's not interested in that opinion, obviously. He wants to reclaim gold. I think all those guys, when they taste gold, you can see it. Dizzy did, a, I think, an Instagram. He was in a van with his family. And you could just tell, like, <sighs> he paused a few times, like, I can't believe I'm here again, you know, no longer being champ. I think he loves being champ. I think he plays a, a good role being one of the guys on the top of the mountain that looks down. Like, he he does that very, very well, to tell you the truth. The rain has been powerful. I'm not going to put it up there with Anderson Silva. I've never committed to that, for sure. But um, I think he's done well, you know. And, but you lost, and the first time, immediate, okay, I get it. But the second time, I mean, this time, it just wasn't a close fight. And I kind of agree with you, goes him and Drake is, is actually a fight we all kind of want to see. And I think it would benefit both guys. And I think it would actually scratch the UFC's itch, which is basically kind of wanting to punish DDP for not rising to the occasion when they asked him to. And mm-hmm. that also sends a message to future fighters who want to maybe play that game. So I, uh, I guess Sean versus Cannoneer. Would be kind of cool. Cannoneer's kind of getting older, but Cannoneer's done his job. He headlined. He won. He's gotten better. He's got cardio for days as well, and he showed up and made weight like others, like Colby and others that have benefited from doing that. Why would you turn your back on this guy, you know? I have a scenario to begin with, I guess. I do have a scenario number two. And that's if Israel Adesanya just looks back and says, look, I need some time away. Mm-hmm. If you're Dana White, you could just say, look, unofficial four-man tournament, show me what you got, right? Throw Drikas in there against Kananir. Costa and Hamzad are fighting. Somebody impress me. You could do something like that. And give Strickland time off? Uh, wouldn't be too much, but yeah, a little bit. Hmm. They did that, I think, at UFC 104. I think it was Bader Machida, Shogun, and someone. And both. How did it work out? I think Machida might have got the shot. But both Shogun and Machida impressed. I think Machida just out-impressed Shogun. Mm-hmm. Something like that. But I remember they had kind of like an unofficial uh, mini tournament for that next spot. Something like that. Okay. I, I like DDP versus Adesanya. Hamza Shemaev hasn't even fought at middleweight since 2020. He hasn't even fought in a whole year. And the last one was Kevin Holland at a catchweight because he didn't make weight, but it was supposed to be at welterweight. Right. So I just don't think that beating Costa makes him next. Is he popular? Yes. But why hasn't he fought in the last year? I'm just kind of curious about that. Does he have certain restrictions? He can only fight in Abu Dhabi. I mean, he's fought in Vegas before, but has there been any troubles or... I don't know. Uh, I I like Strickland versus Cannoneer. And I like I say, I just think it's been earned. I think it's right. I like it. I think it works kind of for everyone. The only way it doesn't work for DDP is if he was really hurt and the UFC is being bitter bitches towards him. Because if you're really hurt, then you're really hurt. You shouldn't you shouldn't treat a fighter like that. Right. 
you know, yes, of course we know it's a big opportunity, but if you're really hurt, then <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's a lot on the line. It was less than two months, and yeah. Something else I was going to say. Oh, so Pajeda. Here's what Pajeda said, and then we'll move on from this. Pajeda tweeted, seems like my plans to go down one more time to middleweight ran out. But see, he didn't really expand on it. So it looked like he was either reacting to Dana White saying, no, I don't think he should come down. Like, well, I would have, but Dana says I shouldn't. So it looks like, or is he saying, well, with Izzy not being there, there's no reason for me to go down there because I would only go down there for Izzy. But I would think that the belt means more to you than continuously engaging Izzy because right. you're kind of up 3-1 here, you know? Plus, you already beat Strickland. So you kind of should be thinking of, well, I beat that guy. Why can't I beat him again? I don't know. I'm a little puzzled by that tweet, I guess. It was a little, I, yeah, I didn't little bit of a riddle. I didn't get that one either. Yeah. It brought back some life into the middleweight division, and that's pretty cool. I can dig that. All right, here's a few other things here, and then we'll close with an interview that we did with um, Johnny Evelyn, who's got a fight coming up himself. Uh, on the 23rd, he's going to be flying to Dublin, Ireland. He's going to be facing um, Fabian Edwards, who is the bigger, younger brother of Leon Edwards, the UFC middleweight champion. However, before we do that, let's just go over some quick uh, news. Karolina Kovalkiewicz, very popular on, on Instagram lately. Uh, she's facing Diana Belvita at an October fight night event. Oh, Ghost, did you happen to see? See, we weren't together. You were upstairs. I was downstairs. Did I miss something? Or is um, Zoila Frosto part of the UFC security or something like that? Is that her? I, I told you that the other day. During, oh, you did? I, yeah, I I mentioned it during um it was an event in Vegas. I thought she was just like part of uh maybe like the commission or something like that. No, her her, sh her shirt said UFC. Yeah, it's, so now it just seems like it's a UFC role, right? Yeah, which which good for her, honestly, if she's staying in combat sports and she can contribute as security. I mean, it's great to have females around as well in case there's Female drama, you know, sometimes you have to have a female around for certain weigh-in situations or maybe to knock on a door if something's happened. And I I would hope more females would, would maybe take some interest in that. But she had a serious face and she seemed to be doing good. She was always nice with us back in the day. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, she basically comes from the Muay Thai world. And I haven't seen her compete too much in the last few years. But if that was her, wow, it was kind of kind of cool to see. But. Yeah. Um, Joaquin Buckley is going to be facing Alex Morano. Both guys like to get down. Uh, so that's at an upcoming fight night as well. And one other fight that escapes me. Anyway, let's Bobby talk about Green. Game Red Rope. Excuse me? Bobby Green and Grant Dawson. That's a good one, too. Yeah. Game Bread. What did you think of Junior DeSantos versus Fabrizio Verdum? Are you down with bare knuckle MMA? Should this have been bare knuckle MMA, or could 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 Jorge Masvidal just say, you know what? I'm like one championship. We might have a bare knuckle boxing match. We might have a boxing match. We might have an MMA match. You never know. Just show up. Or what? What were your thoughts? I had mixed emotions on it. I don't feel like my time was wasted. 
but I felt like the fight fell a little flat. And part of me was sitting there wishing they were just boxing, just bare knuckle boxing, I think would have been a little bit more entertaining. Now, is it because it's two guys that are a little bit past their prime? That could be it. So I'm willing to give it another shot. If you took two guys that are a little bit younger and really, really just carried a a fast pace, would I be interested in bare knuckle MMA? Possibly. I wasn't the biggest fan of bare knuckle boxing when it first started and it kind of grew on me. So I'm willing to give it another shot. But if you're going to take these older guys and have them do it, I might just be more in tune to just saying, look, let their bodies get there a hundred percent, eliminate that training, uh, that's so grueling in mixed martial arts and just let them box. Mm. Yeah. I, you know, Fabricio's 46 juniors, 39. They don't need to be, need to be training for an MMA match for an upcoming title fight. It's a, dude, they've been UFC champions. I'm sure it'll be cool to wear the belt when they give it to them to whoever wins it. They're more interested in the cash at this point. They'll mm-hmm. sell you some seats. You have these guys on your card. They're definitely past their prime. Find a solution. But yeah, find a solution. I mean, they basically just kickboxed. They didn't kick that much, but they basically threw mostly hands and kicks. And I think you kind of should see that writing on the wall and just adjust if you can, if you can have those type of hybrid cards. Fabricio is crazy. He told Danny Segura on Oblemo's MMA, he wanted uh, Valet Tudo rules, which is mm-hmm. head butts, foot stomps, um, uh, Soccer kicks, soccer kicks, head stomps, I guess I should say. Yeah. So he wanted to do it all. Um, and I'm sure for Jorge probably would have said, I'm I'm down too, but he probably has some handcuffs on him, you know, when it comes to what we can do or what we can do, because we obviously know uh Jorge's pretty nutty himself. Yeah, but uh anyway, um that fight went down and was it was it a great fight? No. Was I entertained? Yes, because I felt like the two heavyweights have had uh, have the ability to finish fights, and so therefore I was kind of on the edge of my seat the whole time. But yeah, in the end, I guess I wasn't getting what I thought I was getting, and I, I should have known better because they're both kind of past their prime a little bit. What did you think of Nganu and Fury's press conference? I thought it was interesting. Um, for one, seeing them standing next to each other, Francis Ngannou is such a massive dude. And to see that he's a little bit smaller than Tyson Fury, um, that was pretty interesting. And then seeing Tyson Fury's demeanor, Francis Ngannou's demeanor didn't change very much from what he's like in mixed martial arts. But Tyson Fury was a little bit more Rocky Three-ish, mm-hmm. where I think he was just kind of taking it a little bit as a joke and if you look at his physique i mean he's not it's not that he's an adonis in boxing all the time but he's a little trimmer than that mm-hmm. I, I hope there's another gear that he's gonna jump into really quickly because um it's still francis Ngannou. no matter what it's still a guy that packs a heavy punch mm-hmm. and you gotta you gotta take it serious yeah i uh i was entertained fury can do that from Ngannou's side, you don't expect much, but he kind of doesn't have to say much because he's literally the baddest man on the planet, the baddest man that walks the planet Earth at this point. He just needs to stand there. We've all seen the highlights. We know what he's capable of, but we also know that in the boxing ring, he's yet to fight someone 
even close as talented as Fury. The deck is stacked against them. What I thought was weird was that Fury, who has said in the past, I'm not interested in the cage fight. I'm not interested. Let's do it here. Let's box. He kind of clarified that last time. All of a sudden was saying, I could kick your butt in an octagon. And it just makes me kind of go, yeah, you fucking ruined it, man. I love you as a boxer. You kept it real last time. And here you go. Because if he's going to say that, then I might as well say I can beat Fury in a boxing match. What stops me from saying that? I think you and I maybe disagree a little bit more on this. I I think Francis Ngannou beats him in mixed martial arts, but I think he has a better chance than people think. Well, after I saw Strickland do what he did, I won't. I don't think I'm going to poo-poo on any underdog going forward. Mm-hmm. But uh, he can knock out Fury for sure. But can he outdecision him? No, he he won't outbox him and outpoint him. But he could knock him out. I think that's right. a, I think that's a fair way of saying it. And I don't think it's a great chance, but you never know. Well, you never know. The thing that always sticks out in my mind is that punch that he that he took from Wilder was about as hard as I've ever seen somebody get hit. Mm-hmm. And he just sat up like the Undertaker dude. Almost like he was uh, uh, laying down on a blanket at the beach and just somebody said, hey, the Uber's here. He just kind of sat up, got back <laughs> up, and and fought. Uh, it was amazing. So let's just say Francis Ngannou does land a massive punch. Mm-hmm. Let's just say he doesn't get up, man. That, that's just crazy. Yeah. Hey, one last thing. McGregor. Biggest name in the sport. He was sitting there kind of calling out Volkanovsky and said, hey, let's let's fight at UFC 300 to settle who's the greatest featherweight of all time. I told goes if he did beat Volkanovsky and by already have beaten Holloway and Vol- and Aldo, he could, he could possibly get away with saying, I'm the greatest featherweight of all time, despite never having any title defenses. Because if he beats the other three that get talked about it or have gotten talked about it for the last 10, 15 years, then... That's quite a scoreboard. Now, I don't think he would beat him, and I don't think he'd want to drop that far because he's a big boy. Yeah. But, but, and I don't think it's likely. It's just McGregor. You know, McGregor says some cool stuff. I love, I love the UFC. I love the event. Bravo to Strickland, this, that, or whatever. And then, of course, he can't help himself. He's got to say some dumb stuff. But this is one thing I did like out of just engaging. Usually, when someone throws McGregor's name out, they're like this. He said my name, you know, almost like a rock star that's singing on stage. And then he points at a girl and the girl starts to blush. Oh, my God. He looked at me, you know. And, of course, all the fighters start thinking, chiching, you know. Yeah, sure. If McGregor wants to fight, we can dance. And it's just dollar signs. I've seen Tavares go through with it and Chandler and uh, whoever else. What I liked about Gagey was Gagey said something like kind of gangster. He said. I don't think Conor McGregor will ever fight me, but I have dreamt about ending his career. And I mm-hmm. thought, see, McGregor's used to throwing names out there and then seeing those people like almost beg McGregor to fight them for the big payday. And this guy said, I don't think he'd ever fight me. And on top of that, I'm going to end his career. I see Conor looking at his phone and I'm going, what, bitch? What'd he say? Like, he almost just put it back on him. You know what I mean? He kind of just yeah. owned him in a way. Yeah, totally. That was a different uh, reaction, and I, honestly, I don't know why Connor likes to bring him up as of late. That that's a bad matchup for him, but whatever. I mean, I, I could be wrong with that. Yeah, 
All right, folks, we're going to close up here. So remember, spinning back click every Monday. It's usually noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. But while Dana White Contender Series is running, the Dana White Contender Series weigh-ins basically occupy that time. So we're moving up to 11 a.m. 8 a, uh, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. And I'm sure some of you have already uh, caught wind of that. We're going to do that for a few more weeks until the NOA Contender Series is over. Then we go back to noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. All right. That and uh, UFC Noche is this weekend with a title fight, Alexa Grasso versus Valentina Shishenko. And uh, if you're curious about the rest of the card, you can go to schedule and hit that that fight card to give you all the information. But I'll tell you another good fight to keep an eye on is Kevin Holland versus Jack Della Maddalena. Raul Rosas is back. Luffy Godinez, who we recently talked to, is on the card. Roman Kapalov, he's on the card. Tracy Cortez versus Jasmine Jasuda Vicious. That should be a good one, too. And so, of course, we'll have coverage of that, Dana White Contender Series, all that good stuff. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Now, we're going to close with this. This is an interview with Johnny Evelyn that we did on Saturday before the watch-along. And so we talked to him about his fight, and we also talked to him about his thoughts on if Strickland had a chance and his thoughts on if Israel Adesanya was really the baddest man in the world. What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back with another superstar from the sport of mixed martial arts. Today, we get to talk to Johnny Evelyn, He's going to be defending his Bellator middleweight title versus Fabian Edwards at Bellator 299. It's an early start time on September 23rd, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Because of the time change, they're eight hours ahead, nine hours ahead, something like that. Of course, Johnny will be on the showtime portion of the card, but the fights do start off on YouTube. So if you want a nice morning of fights, head that way. What's up, champ? How are you? Chilling. Just uh, taking a little drive down to Isla Mirada to hang out and watch the fights with a friend. And uh, yeah, camp's going well. Only have one more sparring session left. And no injuries, no nothing. Everything's going great. See, if you wouldn't have told me where you were headed, I was going to guess and say he's headed for a boat and he's uh, going to go out to sea and there's going to be a beautiful woman with him in a bikini next to him because your, your Instagram's filled with that. <laughs> yeah, just that, me working out, me hundred people my dog and me traveling so basically is that your life. boat is that your boat or you got fancy friends that just invite you out for the day no i don't have a boat yeah i don't that's oh, okay too, uh, that's too much uh maintenance i have a few friends that you know a few that will rent a boat um a few that own a boat so i got a lot of friends you know that uh like to be out at sea and fish and whatnot so they just take me along for the ride you know is that what you do most of the time when you're on a boat? You fish, or do you swim, or do you jet ski? What do you do? Uh, sometimes I'll fish with a friend, you know, and then for the most part, we just kind of cruise and hang out and go swimming and bring the girls and you just have a good time. Um, you said you're headed to go see some fights, and I imagine that's UFC 293. Or are you going to go say, see some local fights? What, 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 what are you talking about? No, 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 the uh, UFC card. I'm just going to go hang okay. out with a, a friend and a sponsor of mine. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, and we're going to watch gonna it. Hear, and, and it's tonight you're going to hear a lot of the best middleweight in the world, Israel Adesanya. Does that sting you? or Because you get a lot of love out there, man. A lot of people think 
you're in, to tell you the truth, at least from a lot of the people I know. And uh, I wanted to ask you, what, what, how does that feel? What do you think of that? Uh, I don't really care too much about it, man. Uh, people can think whatever they want to think. Uh, obviously, he's on the biggest stage in the world. So, sure, yeah, he can get credibility. Um, I mean, he's, he's the best guys in the world. He just hasn't fought me. Um, you know, it's just a we're in different circumstances and unfortunately we cannot fight and we, could, we, we can't figure out, you know, he really is the best in the world. But, you know, my boy Sean's going in uh, tonight. And I'm, I'm excited to watch him fight Izzy and uh, see how that goes. And, you know, I think uh, he has a better shot than a lot of people are giving him. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I truly don't think Izzy is the best in the world. I think there's some holes in his game um, that I would definitely expose. But, you know, that's just me saying shit. It is what it is. I, I really don't care too much. How long have you thought that and been confident of it? Usually someone gets to a certain amount of defenses and then they, they make that proclamation. But how about you? How long have you felt that you are the best middleweight in the world? Uh, I would say since after my Tokov fight and uh, actually leading up to that fight, I, I started like really feeling like, damn, dude, I'm, I'm getting good. You know, I'm sparring with really high level guys and, and doing better than I than I thought, you know. A lot of the times, I'm like in the. It's hard to digest uh, sparring when you're in it, but uh, luckily enough, you know, Mike Brown likes to film a lot of my sparring. I get to watch it back. I get to learn, and I get to see how well I do. And sometimes I'm I'm too hard on myself, and I think it's a good thing though. I think it's the reason why I'm I'm accelerating, getting so much better. Um, but basically, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing, you know, how well I'm doing and how much better I'm getting uh, exponentially, especially in the, the time frame I'm doing it in. Um, you know, I truly think I'm the, I'm the best or one of the best in the world. And I just, I'm here to prove it. And I can't wait to prove it. Um, I'm just going to keep winning fights and, and keep getting better. I was there in person for that fight. And I thought one of the nice things about it was you slowly dissected them. You did take some risks, obviously, because I think there was a little more striking than wrestling early on. Uh, but then it all just kind of came together, and I thought that was pretty cool to see your uh, progression in the striking, blending the two as yeah. well. Yeah, man, it's getting even better, too. Uh, I actually I wrestle better when I'm not trying to force it. I, I just go in and fight. I'm not like, hey, I got to take him down, or I got to hit him with this punch. I'm just like, I'm in there, and I'm seeing what I'm seeing what they're giving me, and I'm, I'm working off of you know the knowledge that I have and, and trying to make the best of it, and when I see certain opportunities, I'm going to take advantage of it and, and go from there. Cause uh, you know, some guys will make adjustments and I'm going to have to make an adjustment. You know, things aren't always going to go to game plan or, you know, they might give you a different look or maybe, you know, getting to the takedowns a little bit harder than you thought. So, you know, you have to blend your, your striking a bit more and, and get better angles and, and maybe uh, drive them to the cage to finish the shot. And it's like, there's a lot of little nuances that, um, that you need to be prepared for and, and you need to be able to adjust during a fight. So I, I do a game plan and I do work on a lot of specific things, but when I'm in there, I'm not thinking about shit. I'm just fighting. Johnny Evelyn, our guest here on MMA Junkie Radio. He's got a big fight coming up against Fabian Edwards out in Dublin, Ireland. All right, goes. what do you have for the champ? Johnny, so I want to talk a little bit about Fabian. He's got a nice little streak going on. Um, but how do you feel like, you know, do you feel like he was able to shake some of the things that, that, uh, happened in that two fight losing streak? Do you feel like he's improved a lot since those fights? 
Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I mean, he's been training, you know, got a few more fights under his belt, definitely gained some more experience, you know, probably made a few adjustments, uh, learned from those losses, probably learned from his wins. Um, you know, because the best guys in the world, I think, learn from their wins and their losses. But, but I, I just don't see him, you know, beating me in any circumstance. Um, he has gotten better, and I, I have seen a progression in him, but it's just not relative to the progression I've made, you know, even since my last fight. It's just I, I'm going to be too much for him. I'm going to overwhelm him. Uh, he's, I'm a different animal when I'm in there. He's going to feel it. We were talking about your game earlier in the interview, and I, I was thinking about the striking and the jujitsu part of it. Have you come to love it the way you have with wrestling? Because, you know, even George and I, our job, uh, we love our job, but there's asp aspects of our job that we love more and then parts that we kind of learn little by little and come to love those too. I was curious, where are you at with those types of uh, the striking, the jujitsu? Do you, do you love them now or is it just part of the job? just part of the job and I love I love fighting man so anything that pertains to me winning a fight uh, me getting better I, I, I love to do it I wake up every day and I go to train and I thoroughly enjoy it um, actually my coaches tell me I need to get the fuck out of the gym a lot of the time and that I overtrain and I have to work on like resting and actually this camp I've I feel like I've made that adjustment uh, very well and my training sessions have been going better and I'm learning a lot more and I'm pulling a lot of things off on learning in sparring. So yeah, I just love the whole, the whole game, man. Um, anything that I need to work on, I'm going to, I'm going to work on and I'm going to enjoy working on it while I do it. You know, if you need a coach for uh, resting, George and I, you can bring us into camp. We'll, we'll, we'll train you to rest really well. <laughs> kind of experts. <laughs> hey, John, Johnny, so let me ask you something that happens in a lot of sports, okay? And it, it's kind of interesting because I don't feel it's happened to you, and I want to know what it is about you. When people reach uh, high levels in their sports, they kind of, or they sign a big contract, they become a little complacent. We've seen the opposite from you. What is it about you, or what is it about fighters that you feel um, can kind of overcome that? I think you gotta stay, you gotta stay humble, and it's easier said than done. Um, I think I, I I like to be wise and learn from other people's mistakes. And I've I'm at the best gym in the world, and I've been around some of the best fighters in the world. You know, literally met them at the peak of their game, and I, you know, not not to say I watched their demise, but I watched them, you know, kind of you know fall off track or you know maybe not accomplish all the goals that they wanted. And I kind of like sat there and I thought like, well what went wrong? Like, I can't really like pick out one thing, but I'll, I'll like be like, well, maybe they could have done this instead of this. And I'm like kind of sitting back and like dissecting it. And I'm like, well, whenever there's an opportunity for me, um, that arises and I have to make a decision, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to make a decision that's going to be best for me to be a world champion and, and the best in the world. So, you know, I think, uh, I try to be wise in my decisions, decisions I make every day. And, uh, I keep a white belt mentality when it comes to training and, and learning and, uh, you know, never, never, uh, get too big of a head and stay humble. Are you still taking your all-star crew of coaches, uh, to this fight? Uh, everybody, um, except King Mo's not going to be able to make it out. Sadly, 
but uh, my boy JP Reese, he's going to be with me. He's actually uh, a 21 fight veteran. He actually fought Bobby Green and let's see, he fought Kevin Lee back in the day. Um, but he, he's a good friend of mine. We, we both coached wrestling together uh, a while back. When I first moved to Florida, he was one of my first friends, and we coached a wrestling team together. And um, he kind of helped me get into ATT as well, and uh, actually moved around with him today. And we just play sparred. And yeah, just a really good friend of mine. Um, really happy to have him in my corner. And uh, gonna obviously have uh, Mike Brown, Tiago Alves, and uh, Dustin Poirier. He's gonna make it out. Yeah, and I met you through through King Mo. So if I don't, if you don't mind me asking, is he okay? Yeah, he's good. He's good. Everything's fine. Um, you know, just uh, can't make it. Okay. All right. Um, well, I was going to say, you picked good coaches in terms of when you uh, uttered the word humble. Mike Brown and King Mo both held major belts in their lives. But I noticed that it wasn't the type of fame that came afterwards, maybe even the riches, I guess, that has deterred others from, like, the quest, you know, which is – to get better and better and, and and dominate, right? So I, you couldn't pick two better names, you know, in your career than, than those two guys, for sure. Yeah, man, I feel like uh, I try to surround myself with people that are like-minded and uh, humble in themselves. And I think when you do that, you know, you're, you're going to be, you're going to be the people that you hang out with the most. So I just try to surround myself with, with the right people. You know, you trained at Extreme Couture, I saw a few weeks back, and you, you mentioned Sean's name earlier. I wanted to ask you this question that I may have asked you before. I, 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 I tend to say this to the wrestlers a lot. Tell me about the balance between. Obviously, Strickland could have an advantage if he takes the fight to the ground, but he loves to throw down with his hands, right? And I always think back to Chael Sonnen versus Anderson Silva 1. From the minute that fight started, he put him on his ass. And he almost won. He got submitted in late round five. So tell me about that balance between the two, which is obviously some, will, some wrestlers will tell you my hands open up the wrestling. But with Chael, he just went to it right away. What's the balance between the two and making sure that you don't leave that arena not having used your main strength to its fullest? Um, I think, well, are you talking, are you asking this question for me or for like Sean? For you. Well, for you and for him. Obviously, you're both facing strikers, and I'm sure this won't be the last striker you ever face. But you have an amazing wrestling pedigree. And I can't imagine that that person wakes up on fight day saying, you know, um, feeling good about themselves because of that. Yeah. Well, the whole the whole point, so like with my game, my whole point is I'm going to blend it to where it's you're, you're not sure what I'm going to do. Yeah. So it, a lot of uncertainty of what's going to happen. And fighters don't like uncertainty. They like certainty. They like to be able to read guys. So my whole game is you're not going to be able to read me. Maybe maybe for a little bit, or maybe I even get you thinking I'm doing something, but then I'm switching it up. Um, and next thing you know, you're on your ass or you're on the cage and you're fighting for your life trying to get up. And, uh, you know, it's it's about keeping things uncertain for them so they can't they – can't, uh, use their game plan against you or, you know, utilize certain techniques against you. Um, and, and obviously, you know, using using things to set up your strengths to get you into spots where you're better than them. Um, that's why I think, you know, if Sean can make this fight a little dirty and, you know, kind of be in, his, be in Izzy's face, utilize his jab, you know, utilize his pressure and 
get thinking or get uh is he thinking he's he's in a uh, a firefight and the next yeah. thing you know sean's taking him down on the cage and sean can hold people down man i've seen him hold down like collegiate wrestlers like he can wow. he can hold yeah he can grapple man like that and he's heavy he can be heavy and he, he has a really good understanding of how to stay heavy and and uh float on top of guys if that makes any sense so totally. yeah he, he's uh he's better than you think when it comes to like uh, grappling his wrestling is obviously not like to the pedigree of mine but i mean he's going with guys like me all the time alex Polizzi is out there um so i mean he has the capacity to take down izzy for sure because i mean alex Pereira took down izzy like come on you know, the more the more you get a guy thinking that you're going to strike with them, the easier it is to take them down, if that makes any sense. Yep, totally. Good answer, man. Um, all right, before we let you go, I got to know, um, you are you wearing a Jets t-shirt, or is there the other two letters an E and a P? G. Ah, got it. Okay. I'm like, in my... I'm from Iowa, <laughs> living in Florida. Where's the Jets connection? Although you do look like... Uh, they no, have a I'm former Packer quarterback there in Aaron Rodgers, but you kind of give off a little far vibe with you with the beard there. Yeah. Who's your yeah, team? Yeah, definitely, definitely Chiefs fan. They lost, Chiefs sadly. Fan. Well, yeah, but you're coming off yeah. the Super Bowl, so it's not yeah. it's not too bad. You'll, you, you guys will be all right. Anyway, lost thanks the for the Detroit time. Lions out of all the people. What's that? So, lost the Detroit Lions out of all teams. Yeah, that's a tough one to start, but you guys will be all right. Thanks for the time, champ. Yeah. And uh, safe travels. Great. Hope you have a great fight on the 23rd. No problem. So his prediction was right, goes, you know, to not just dismiss him and that he has a shot. But he did say, you know, Sean on top of you is a pretty heavy guy or whatever. He stressed, you know, wrestling and grappling and jujitsu. Um, mm-hmm. But he was right overall by saying he, you know, he, he should be taken seriously. Because up until Saturday night, not too many people were taking him seriously. Right. Yeah. No, I like Johnny Eblen. And now it's kind of interesting because you have that conversation. Is he the greatest middleweight in the world? Because Israel Adesanya was the champion at the time, you say there's a good chance Johnny Eblen could be that guy. You know, you could take Izzy down and, and, and maybe expose him. With Sean Strickland at the top, the way he fought, to me, that's a little bit of a harder argument to make now. Yeah. And the weird thing is, I don't even know that you could say Sean Strickland's the greatest. And like, there's just so many of these guys, and they're all kind of like at the same level. It just, it just depends on who's up against who. Dude, one year ago, Pajeda knocked him out, and Cannonier beat him in a split decision. He was mm-hmm. literally bummed out, and then all of a sudden in 2023, he's three and zero. He's now a champion, and honestly, he has a good case for fighter of the year. Oh yeah, very. Very much so. And in his next fight, he will make pay-per-view uh, cuts. I mean, what a turnaround. Honestly, mm-hmm. incredible. Congrats to Sean Strickland. And with that, we're out of here, folks. And uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. Don't be a normal cat. Don't just occupy space on this planet. Go out and be a champion. <laughs> <laughs>